I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hey, Kieran. Hi, Eve. How's your move going? It's going. That is like a thing that has happened since the last episode. I found a new... But yeah, I found a new apartment. It's a two-bedroom, two-bath, like seven blocks away from where I live. And I'm excited about it. For my 30th birthday, I get privacy, which I have <laughs> never had in my entire life. And hang I on, am... hang on. That's just like for the listeners who don't understand <laughs> why this is a big deal. Is this your first time having your own room? Well, like I had my own room, but I had to have the door open so all my siblings could come pounce on me in the morning. So just in case you might be masturbating or something. Or or just in case I like slept one minute past eight AM. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that that crime uh was obviously worth the inability to have zero privacy or So this is like you're gonna have a door you can like close and nobody can open it. I can close it. And I can lock it. Holy shit. And no one will lose their minds if I lock the door. You're just going to like lock yourself into your room for like the next six months and never come out. It's going to be really funny. Yeah, like pretty much. So uh, we're moving much faster this week than I I thought we were. And by the time this is out, I'll have been moved in for like a week or two already. I plan on like the first thing that I do, just locking my bedroom door and then taking the longest bath with my bath salts and just staying there and not leaving for like until I get bored of being pruney. Oh, that sounds like a really good birthday. It does. (laughs) How, How have you been? I mean, we're like third week of the semester and everybody's dying and checking out it's we're here okay. yeah we're soldiering on <laughs> yeah i will say i got i got my stuff to start seeds indoors today Ooh. and that is that is the thing that i am being excited about right now nice but, um i am actually more excited about this other thing though we have a guest tonight whose book i really love Lauren Huff, who you may know from Twitter or from a essay that went viral a couple of years ago about being the cable guy. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, hi. Hi. You want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what this book is? get <laughs> <laughs> The short version. Kieran hasn't read it. I have. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I took a whole, I wrote a whole book about it, so I wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Read this book I as my intro. I'm going to hand dates book, the book from now on, and I'll be like, you know what, get back to me in a week if you still want to talk. Yeah, I think I should like, <laughs> yes. not date until I finish mine. That would be a good idea, so I could do that too. <laughs> it, it'll make things so much easier. Yeah, I, I, did, I grew up in the, the Children of God, also known as the Family. We used to be the premier sex cult, and then Nexium came along. Fuckers! <laughs> <laughs> they just it, they just disrupted the sex cult industry. Yeah, they just took that fucking title and ran with it. It was the marketing <laughs> side of them. They're really good at the marketing. They weren't branding anyone or anything interesting. 
You guys weren't trying hard enough. Yeah, I mean, I thought we tried pretty hard, but (laughs) apparently not. Yeah, I grew up in that. I joined the Air Force as soon as I came of age. I apologize for the Pomeranian. I would like to be to be noted that that is not my Pomeranian. <laughs> I, have no I have I have like a, a kitten who's usually like a chaotic force who bursts into this podcast at some point or another. So like it happens. It's he fine. has no respect for me whatsoever. And if I were to go in there and tell him to shut up, it would just get worse. So like we're. Our, our relationship is he'll sometimes hang out with me if I throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> if you have oh, a, a use. Right. Yeah, he, yeah. Is, he is a Pomeranian. He likes his mommy and that's it. Um, yeah, I, I joined the Air Force after that and then kind of bummed around doing shitty odd jobs that you do. And uh, I eventually started writing about it. God knows why. I'm bad at fiction, I guess. <laughs> I relate to this problem. I can't I feel think of plots. I can't yeah. think of plots more dramatic than my own. Like I think I, I would really love to do fiction. It'd just be so much easier to fill in the blanks with some bullshit, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> there are so many fucking blanks. But yeah, I. Uh, so I started writing about it and sold a book, and that's pretty cool. So we, it hasn't come out yet, so we're just gonna see. I'm in that fun limbo period where people are starting to read it, but uh, so far they've all been friendlies. We'll, we'll see. If we had our videos on, I would be showing you how fucking dog-eared this book is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I beat my books up when I really like them. That's awesome. I feel like it's a sign of love to like dog-ear and underline and randomly take pictures of i have yes. a bad habit of taking pictures and pages and sending them to just random people that don't necessarily need to see that picture but i had to show someone yes and that's like but, half of what i used to use instagram for when i first started like yeah yeah I, I love the people who still do it on instagram it makes me happy i got a friend of mine named vince well vincent hill his entire instagram is just cool poetry and random cool things he read I've discovered a couple authors just from his Instagram. So, yeah. That's, I, nice. that's great. Yeah. I feel like I'm underlining the things that don't make sense to anyone else, though. <laughs> well, that's that's a problem that we probably would relate to. Yep. <laughs> oh, and also, like, I don't know if either of y'all did this, but did you, like performatively highlight the bible and also like sneakily highlight the bible so that way like it'd be around the verse that was the thing that was speaking to you but you didn't want like someone else to look at your underlining to get a sense of like what your deepest darkest was so you like underlined the traditional thing right after the verse that was really like speaking to you yeah i had a whole code for for it going on because there was there were the things that you were supposed to highlight or underline you just required to yeah, it was mostly stuff you'd memorized, but yeah, if I used a if I used a pen to underline it, underline the thing the verse above that that meant that it was the verse below it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I I would like copy verses into my journal, and like they would they would be sort of subtext about what I was actually thinking about, but 
so that I wouldn't actually have to write what I was actually thinking about, you know, too many people <laughs> just snooped do. in those things. Yeah. I just right. like, there's, there's no chance that somebody was not going to read that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, I knew for sure that my parents definitely flipped through my Bible to make sure I was underlining and highlighting all the correct things. So it wasn't a good place for secrets, even though they were all like, oh, well, like, you know, just highlight the things that God is speaking to you at this moment. And I was like, I am too young and too horny to do this. <laughs> there's some there's some really good sex stuff in there that there there is my favorite bible story is still that i don't know even i i need to go find it because i remember reading it and just being fascinated by it there's some just random king who got stabbed and then he was a the left-handed yes the fat closed over the hilt of his sword (laughs) (laughs) so that was the guy who killed him i forget the king's name yeah, I loved I loved the random weird shit that was in the Bible. I I don't know. It's a strange book, but we weren't allowed to read any of the fun stuff. So no, of course not. Like you know, Song of Solomon was acknowledged, but it was pretty much off limits because of how sexy it was. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So I, I was I, really, <laughs> I was super sneaky. I read all this the fun stuff. Yeah, no, we were required to read the fun stuff. That's the that's the downside of a sex cult is they ruin all the good shit. Yeah. <laughs> you like, don't see. Here's my fucking problem with telling people that I grew up in the Children of God or whatever. They hear sex cult and I think they're thinking like hot orgies or something. And you're like, all right, you need to imagine hippies who haven't showered in a while. <laughs> And uh, you don't get to pick. There's a schedule. Oh. Well, and yeah, just when you're 12 years old, hearing some gross old dude talking about women's body parts, it's just, it was, it was not, it was not sexy. No. At all. It was the opposite of sexy. I don't know what that is. A sex cult, really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, that's the problem with the, having a sex cult that involves children it's like you can't this is not a sustainable business model because <laughs> no. all the kids are going to be so turned off from it yeah but what well, matt walsh said <laughs> no he's not he's, he's not allowed in here <laughs> no we are i mean that's trying to write a book about it and it goes back to what i was talking about with you eve that selling your dramas thing like they people hear the children of god and they want certain stories and i don't fucking have them i remember changing diapers constantly because byproduct of sex cult is everybody's having babies Mm -hmm. i remember changing diapers i remember cleaning bathrooms and i remember selling posters on the street like it was not what yeah, they made goofy posters. There's a picture of like a lion with babies, and I think the lion represented Jesus or God or something. Of course, yeah, yeah. And then on the back of it was a long message, and they called it "Witnessing and Saving Souls for Jesus" because you're supposed to hand that to people and ask for money, right? And then, as you do, yeah, as you do. And then if they didn't give you money for it, you yanked that back and gave them a black and white because the colored ones were expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. so yeah, 
yeah, like it's that. That is what those are my memories: is cleaning and cooking and piles of dishes and yeah. Um, fucking forks for a year. (laughs) (laughs) You put idiots in charge of a lot of people, and people think everything out of their the guy's mouth is the word of God. You come, you end up with really weird rules. Mm -hmm. You know, there was always a black market for toilet paper going around because you could never get. Could only get three sheets every time you went to the bathroom. So what? There'd be some kid who'd like stolen a roll and he'd give you. He <laughs> gave him some oats from the kitchen or. Yeah, black market always. Black market was always fun. Wow. We did we did that with like dinners in a more low key way where it was like I don't like this thing and you don't like that thing and I'll pass it to you under the table in a napkin so that like both of us get our plates cleaned at the end of the night. And we don't get spanked, but this is why you never have dogs in a cult because they. <laughs> uh, I'm like trying to pick a quotation, like a quote from this, from to like start us off in discussing the book itself because I think, I think the book is really interesting craft wise, and it's one of the reasons I love it so much. Is, I mean, I'm writing a memoir about my bullshit cult stuff. And one of the things that I've done, you know, for that project has been, I've been reading a lot of these stories and you have stories like educated by Tara Westover, which is just like telling everything that happened in chronological order as if you're Laura Ingalls Wilder with like no editorial commentary almost. Right. And then there's like priest daddy, which is not quite the same, but very, much like what the fuck did I grow up in? And it's more topical essay centered where it's, it's a lot of like mirrors and deflection and like, I'm not going to let you know how I feel about this. I'm just going to tell you the weird shit. That's funny. Right. I mean, and you do neither of those. (laughs) (laughs) Like I feel like we just went through So this is how you write a memoir. And then this is what you did. So, (laughs) well, no, it's like these people do it this way because that's what they expect everybody to want. And I think what I really like about what you did is that you sat down and you told your story as it occurs to you to tell it. And you're making the, the person who is like trying to be maybe a voyeur to the sex cult stuff. You're putting them on the spot with like, that's kind of fucked up. I'm a whole person. And it's like, that's not the interesting thing about me. Yeah. I think a little bit. I don't know. Um, I think it was just, it was the way I wanted to tell the story. And I got really lucky with my agent, Jamie Chambliss, who thinks I'm funny and uh, kind of encouraged me to write from the adult perspective so that I could throw in the asides and the commentary and all of my digressions. Not all of them, 99% of them get cut, but (laughs) some of them. But yeah, enough of them so that I don't, I don't think there's a point to telling it except for to feed voyeurism unless I have something to say about it. So yeah, I will, I will let you read my weird stories, but you're going to listen to me because I have, I have some opinions on it. It's kind of the way I went about it. 
And I, I think that was the only way I was willing to do it. And it was just, it was more fun. Yeah. It was just, it was fun to write the essay and say what I think and point out that, yeah, you, it's a lot of it is really fucking funny and a lot of it is really weird. And a lot of it is just so excruciatingly banal. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I know the right way to write an essay. I just know a lot of it helped because I wrote that cable guy pieces that blew up as kind of a, I, I thought it was just a throwaway, honestly. I, I still don't see why it caught on so much. Mm-hmm. But what I did know is I was just having fun writing it, and I was just telling stories the way I wanted to tell them, and I was getting mad while I wrote it and going through it. And here's another thing that I think. And it was, <laughs> fun, and it was fun to write it that way, and people responded to it, so... Maybe I could do my entire story that way. So that is what I did. Yeah. One of the things that Kieran and I and some other folks from our world talk about is like, because emotions were so negatively reacted to by authority figures in our world, we learned how to like kind of tap tamp things down and have like delayed reactions. So reacting to things in real time emotionally is a learned practice. It's an acquired skill after the fact. And one of the things that I like about this is you're reacting to things in real time. And that's what gets you back into the flashbacks and the memories that, you know, illuminate the the present day Lauren, the narrator um, going through whatever she's going through. I mean, thank you. I think that's why I write the way I did. I was I was trying to figure it out while I was writing it, and I did figure a lot of things out, but that's why I was writing it, is I have all this shit that I just buried for 20 years, and then I pulled it out and started writing about it, and it started making sense of some of it. There's... I mean, there's there's a story I was telling about a, a girlfriend I had, and we were having a fight about something, and I was writing this story, and I realized somewhere through the middle of it that, oh, shit, I'm the asshole here. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mad about that for a really long time, and, yep, that was my bad. <laughs> You'll have that. That will happen. Yeah, and and it was just sort of writing about it the way I was interested in looking at it, so... Yeah, I was discovering it as I wrote a lot of it. it I Most of it, I hadn't thought about it. And you, you just stop thinking about it for a while and you go on with your life because you can't really think about it all the time. It'll break you. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you work really hard to not think about it. So then you do. And I think it's, our minds are funny that way. Sometimes it does need to just sit there a while until you have some of the skills that you need to look at it and understand it. Yeah. I think there's a lot about my book that like, you know, people are like, you're a writer, you should write this. And I, I could have, excuse me, I could have written something that would be fairly flashy and like factual and not very like, 
thoughtful without a lot of like distance to understand it and be a little bit more nuanced about how I was looking at it. And so I feel really glad that I'm like 10 years out and haven't sold it yet because I'm still learning. There's still stuff I'm going through and processing that like I'm figuring out as I go. Um, I'm still putting big puzzle pieces together. Um, and I've done a lot of work on it, but I'm not done. But I also have been talking about it since almost since the get when I got out. What was it like not talking about it for so long? I mean, really the only thing I can liken it to is being in the closet because that's the only thing I have. But yeah, you're if, when you're hiding a major part of your identity and denying that it is even part of your identity, you don't really get to know yourself. It keeps you very distant from others because... I mean, I would wait until about six months into a relationship and then we'd have this really lesbian moment where I'd have to tell them, so here are some things I lied to you about. (laughs) 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 And it's going to be a long list. Yeah, it, it turns into this thing that you're ashamed of. And I would tell it on rare occasions, like a confession, like I'd done something or had something to be ashamed of. And I, I didn't, I was a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, I'm really proud of the kid that I was. So getting that back, <laughs> I don't know if it's getting it back getting that, that I, I'm proud of who I was is, is a huge thing. It's yeah, it just every conversation you have is a lie because conversations start with where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah. And a lot, a whole lot of our conversation is pop culture references and like, Hey, who remembers this? Okay. Let oh me read God. that passage. Yes. Hang on. Let me get to this. There's this, this bit where you talk about you and your brother, like, doing your homework. About oh, I do culture. have a brief question while you find that quote, because okay. we haven't said the name of the book yet. <laughs> what is the name of the book? Oh, sorry. It's a uh, leaving. Isn't the hardest thing. That's a really good title. Thank you. I, I did not title it that. And I thought I hated it and now everybody really likes it. So I'm glad I listened and didn't, you know, stop my foot. And I'm right about this. Cause I knew I wasn't, I know what my expertise is. My expertise is not book titles. That was just yeah, amazing. titles. I hate titling things. Yeah. Titling episodes is really hard. So <laughs> Karen will message me and I'll be like, I don't fucking know. Let me fart something out real fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how that title came. It was the, I had to put something at the top of an essay to turn it in. Mm-hmm. So, and I think I had been calling it this piece of shit. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. I was really angry at that essay for a while. So I, I titled it that. It was a line from the essay that I don't, I don't even know if it's still in there. But uh, yeah, they loved the title. And that's, <laughs> I, I know what I don't know, or I usually do. That is one of them. So this section is like assimilating back into a normal world. And you guys are homeschooled at this point, And you'd watch MTV all day. Most of the day, we tried to learn how to dress, talk, and act like humans. 
We quizzed each other on the lyrics to Baby Got Back because everyone else knew the words. We quizzed each other on sitcom and movie characters. We'd steal the People magazines from Grandma's bathroom and memorize the important facts. Ask me anything about Julia Roberts. We called this class Humanities because the ancient ancient shit in the textbook wasn't going to help us in Amarillo. We played (laughs) basketball at a nearby Christian school. My brother was tortured for his bikini briefs in the locker room. I was teased for my giant red Sally Jesse Raphael glasses. We wore clothes my aunt bought us at garage sales. While mom cleaned houses, Gabe blew money on pyramid schemes and make your first million seminars. And I just like, (laughs) I'm sitting there reading that and I'm like, Thinking about, back to my, like, freshman year of college, where it was like, all right, I have Napster, so I have access to music for the first time. I have friends who were public schooled, so I have access to, like, you know, what did I miss? Yes. (laughs) And and I just, like, binge watch TV shows with them after we were done with homework, trying to just, like, get caught up on anything I could. Yeah. Yep. The internet has been a gift. (laughs) Especially having internet on your phone has been a huge gift because I can be texting someone and they can drop something and I can Google it real quick. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's easy to fake it now. I love that. It's so nice. It's so much easier to fake it because you don't always want to stop and make them explain that reference. You just, I just want to know what it is. Like it's. It it's ruins like the moment. It makes it like about you and. Yeah, yeah. I just want to know what they were talking about. So I do that on Twitter all the time. I've, I'm just randomly learning. Oh, what are those? Ah, I wish I remember the name of them. Now I'm mad because I don't. But I Googled them last night, and I I was in the middle of a Google thing before I went to sleep. But the little bugs that create everything, and they're, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. I learn. I'm learning biology is what I'm saying, and I don't remember. <laughs> nice. Yeah, teaching myself shit as I go has always been the way I learned, and I feel like that's like a, that's a, both a homeschool kid thing, but also just like anyone who's had to like assimilate into a different culture. I talk to like the people I get along with the most easy are people who grew up in the homeschool world or like second generation, third culture kids with like first generation immigrant parents who like are kind of straddling, you know, the like public American world. And then there's like a very different home life. Yeah. I think that's something Americans and a lot of parts of the country miss out on is just the ability to emphasize that if you, I was talking about this the other day, if you go overseas, there's on day, it may be 10 minutes into your trip or it may be two days after landing some mundane task that is somehow more difficult because you're in another country will break you. <laughs> I, I was, I'd been in Berlin two days and I couldn't figure out how to get a grocery cart at the grocery store because you have to put a coin in into a thing and push the right button. I just, I left crying <laughs> because every single thing is you have to learn how to function as a human being all over again in a new country every time you go. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's 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 a skill set. Not really. I mean, I'm clearly I'm still breaking down over it, but it's a level of empathy towards to not everyone grew up exactly like you. Not everyone has the same memories. Not everyone has the same cultural touch points. 
Yeah. And having people who realize that, like, I don't think they realize how meaningful that is to us. But, like, people who just don't go in with that assumption, like, we all watch the same shit. We all listen to the same music. We all had the same childhood, essentially, in the 90s or whatever. Like, right. having people who don't make that assumption is really nice <laughs> and really rare. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think it helped being in D.C. Um, it's very much a cultural melting pot. Um so yeah, I mean, half the people there grew up in military families or were military brats and grew up everywhere anyway. So yeah, I, it it was less assumed that you you knew what someone else was talking about in the conversation, which is so nice. Yeah, yeah that's what I like about living in cities like in Oakland and in Seattle, where it's just like there's so many people from so many other places that like you really can't assume that people grew up the same way and also you will randomly just find people who grew up similarly to you because there's just so many people here (laughs) yeah I mean I think in a way a large part of the reason that gays gravitate towards cities is just the cultural diversity makes every difference yeah. accepted and often more celebrated, which they should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to like keep going. I'm going to just gonna yeah. keep, so keep diving. Yeah. You've sent me a bunch of screenshots <laughs> and the whole time I was reading them, I was just like, yes, this <laughs> is correct. All of these feelings so we talked I about like the, the aftermath of the high control stuff, which by the way, when I talk about my upbringing, because it wasn't a like popularly known group that people would identify as a cult from the outside. I like to call cults high control groups. And then as soon as I say that people start like having Bible moments about like their friend who's in an MLM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but you have this section where you're talking about the like the the cumulative like slow going erosive effects of this control, um, and like it's how you get to this place of like being so cut off from cult, you know, the mainstream culture. Once I was out of the cult, I couldn't explain any of that because I'd been in a fucking cult. That didn't that I didn't fit in even in the cult wasn't much help. The distance between me and everyone around me, the disconnect, only served to reinforce what I learned in the cult. I didn't belong. It's not all that complicated. A cult needs control to function. People are easier to control when they're isolated. Remove natural allies, parents, siblings, friends. Make people distrust authority. Convince the kids if they say anything, your parents will go to jail. You speak a different language. Never mind that you're in a foreign country. Even if you speak the language you don't, you use the cult language now. And then a little further down, even our fundraising methods served a purpose. You knock on doors or block pedestrians all day, try to sell them posters or tapes, try to save their souls. People don't always take it well. Any evangelical kid who is told to try to lead their friends to Jesus can tell you how popular that'll make you. People get annoyed because you're fucking annoying. How do you react to Jehovah's Witnesses knocking at your door, the God hates fags, assholes of the pride parade? You ever notice that their kids are watching you? It's by design. 
Every shitty interaction with an outsider reinforces what you were taught. They, those others, the systemites, are mean, sometimes cruel. You're different. You don't belong out there. Yup. <laughs> that tracks. That was a take on it I hadn't quite thought of or heard before, which was the, it's, it's very obvious, um, but just by reinforce by like making yourself socially abrasive you're reinforcing the like you know if you're following god no one's gonna like you and you have to stay with us yeah i mean if you, when you think about it though a child is never going to lead someone to jesus that's not the way humans work i mean some adult may patronize the kid and sure i'll pray with you Please go. <laughs> yeah but uh i don't want to make a scene but a child isn't going to lead someone to jesus that's not a child's job the re but they make you do it they send every kid out to to proselytize and when you do it can be for no other purpose than to reinforce to that kid that you don't belong out there and then you come home and, you know, the cult's loving and proud of you for trying to leave, lead people to Jesus. And they're even more proud of you if you got a horrible reaction for it. If you got yelled at, if you got screamed at, you'd stood up for Jesus. That was great. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, carrot stick. Very basic. Basic psychology. It, it alienates you from the outside world. And if you feel conflicted about it, you can't say anything about it to those in the world because they're, that's how you're getting approval and affection. And like suddenly you're stuck in a feedback loop that you really don't like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it, it has to be by design. It's, it is intentional that they make kids monopolize. There's no way a kid has ever recruited someone into a cult, even. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no. All my all my attempts uh, at saving my Catholic grandparents when I was four Oof. did not go well. Yeah, we. Tried. I mean, they were nice about it, but like it was unsuccessful. Yeah, they'll they'll be nice about it. We tried to save my cousin. We're, we we. My siblings and I would compete. Oh, we're going to lead her to Jesus this time. <laughs> I think we might have manipulated one of my cousins into like praying the sinner's prayer at some point, And then I felt really guilty about it because I knew it was manipulative. Oh, I'm sure we did at some point, And I'm sure we were really proud of it. But <laughs> I'm sure my cousins try to be nice to your weird cousins. Yeah. But there is this like whole whole thing about this is like something that I was talking about in therapy today so it, it's really kind of reminiscent where like the worse you were treated meant like the more you had succeeded and the more you like got in heaven and that's like it's so twisted and <laughs> it's so cruel and it doesn't make sense when you say it out loud to people because they're like what do you mean? Like my therapist was like, I'm confused. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I am also confused. <laughs> There's no logic. It's like weirdly capitalistic too. Like, you know, like you do X amount of things on earth and you, you know, 
x bad feedback from other people and suddenly that like suffering means that like you're gonna have a brighter and shinier crown in heaven Mm -hmm. like what the fuck am i gonna do with a crown in heaven after you're dead (laughs) i'm here (laughs) no yeah that Uh, seems like a crappy trade-off to me yeah right i didn't i didn't i didn't really want to go to heaven that didn't seem like a lot of fun yeah same it didn't make sense to me. It didn't, it didn't make any sense at all. So yeah, I, I maybe abandoned that a little bit early. Also, our head <laughs> didn't make sense. Ours was a pyramid, and it was in the moon. Um, in the moon? Yes. Yep. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's I, totally a every thing. Every culture has fairy tales, right? <laughs> a pyramid, and it was in the moon. It was made out of gold that was so pure that it was see-through because that is how gold works. Yeah, no, um, there's a river in ours. I have questions yeah, about we have, metallurgy. Yeah, we have, we have a river too. K- Kieran is Kieran is a welder. <laughs> <laughs> like gold does not do you that. See through gold? No, well, I have not once encountered this. You know, I hate to question your welding skills, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I Jesus mean, Lord. to be fair, you don't weld gold; you smelt it. Because, like, <laughs> welding gold just doesn't – it melts too fast. It's not effective. But anyway, that's well. entirely besides the point. This has been your brief <laughs> metallurgy moment with Kieran. That's a that's a throwaway just for Andrew, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a, we have a, a friend of the pod who is a – who is an actual welder who does, you know – not like Kieran's not an actual welder, but he like builds like forges in his backyard out of mud. Yeah, he does the whole whole thing. It's great. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. fun sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, heaven didn't ever sound super great. Like there were elements of it where I'm like, I'm sure like at that point, like when I'm dead, like that would sound fun. But like the thing that I never got about it was just like the extremely like I like antibody elements of it where it was like, well, you know, whatever you don't like or hate about being an embodied person, when you get to heaven, it's you're gonna get a new one and it's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> what is with that? <laughs> I was like, I think I like my body and what it can do, thanks. No. No, we're gonna have the same body. Um we could fly though. So I think we had a better deal than y'all, actually. Could you ride the dinosaurs? That's the important question. Yeah, we could ride the dinosaurs, but we could talk to them. We were going to be able to talk to the animals, and they could talk back to us. Oh, wow. So yeah. that's that's definitely... That's definitely fancy. Yeah. I, I think we had a better deal than y'all. Yeah, it sounds like it. You got a gold pyramid in the moon, and you can talk to animals. Like And, like, sex that's is a good, ashamed. That's a good D and D character like, skill set. <laughs> okay, another thing I really love about this book is that the title kind of says it, but you're, leaving isn't the hardest thing, and that leaves the, the what is the hardest thing as this unspoken thing. But I think it's thriving. Yeah. Afterward. Yeah, so, I, I, I think it's learning how to be who you are. You you miss a few developmental years, or they're a little twisted because you're learning a lot of the wrong things about the world. 
like th- those are the ages where you learn what the world is. Um, those are the ages you learn how to relate to people. And when they're a little warped, you have to relearn all of that. You have to relearn who people are and you know how you have a relationship or how you hold a job that when your manager calls you to the office, like you don't actually have to start crying immediately. <laughs> oh my God. What? Sorry to laugh so loudly. I, I had a boss in LA who like, as soon as he figured out that like saying, come meet me in the office, we need to talk. was like an immediate panic attack would call me and be like, come to the office. We need to talk. It's good. <laughs> God That's bless nice. Corby. He was he he made a huge difference. <laughs> that is that is helpful and kind. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I have like that is so broken for me. Whenever anyone is like, "We need to talk," I'm like, "What did I do?" I'm going to hell. I don't. <laughs> so, they hate me now. Like people can just be like, "Hey, I want to talk." Hey, you did an excellent job, and I will get a compliment, and I will immediately panic and be like, "I fucked up." I clearly <laughs> fucked up. Someone said I did something good, and obviously that means they hate me and they're mad at me, and they're just saying this to get my guard down. Mm-hmm. Because, like, my whole scale is just that skewed from. Because you don't up the get given I... that kind of affirmation unless there's punishment to follow. It's like. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is this is what I'm dealing with in therapy right now. It's just like realizing <laughs> that, like, you know, maybe I didn't deserve that. Maybe I deserved better as a child instead of like my mom backhandedly being like, "Oh yeah, no, you did good." Also, like, you suck and are going to hell because you talked to me the <laughs> wrong way. <laughs> I have a I have a friend who's going through a really shitty divorce right now, and she wrote something yesterday that just like the title of it really (laughs) cracked me up because it's, it demonstrates this kind of like skewed relationship with reality that you end up having. And the, the title of it was, it has come to my attention that I deserve to be protected. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Also rude. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, what? No, that can't be real. That seems fake. <laughs> it seems fake. This is why I'm getting privacy for my 30th birthday. Congratulations. <laughs> Big deal. Yeah. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I know all of you had, like, you know, most of you had doors that locked as a child that, you know, if you locked it, your parents weren't, like, you're being disobedient and sinning and awful. But I have never had that. So... I'm going to have a door that locks for the first time. You may still hide things. It's all right. It can just be a quirk. Right. Oh, my God. The, like, food scarcity shit. Yeah. I had a boyfriend who, like, I went to the kitchen and I got myself, like, a snack of, like, apples and peanut butter. And I, like, calculated it out. Like, I was like, this is exactly enough calories to, like, I wasn't, like, actively thinking about it, but, like, my brain was doing the math of like dinners in three hours. This will get me to it if I eat all of this. And he like swiped some. No. (laughs) 
and I just no. like snapped at him and then I realized I was snapping at him and like I didn't need to because there's more in the kitchen and like I could just go get more and he looked at me and he's like what the hell oh my god and I was like I you don't every, understand every single partner I've had has had a moment where they've had to tell me multiple moments in fact where they've had to tell me like it's okay there's more in the fridge. If we run out, we can just go to the grocery store. Like, it's fine. Eat as much as you want. And I still don't. I still don't eat as much as I need to because I'm like, I I feel like I can't trust that. Even though, like, you know, in my entire adulthood, I've had the amount of food that I've needed, even though a lot of it has also involved me denying myself that because trauma. <laughs> But still, like, the fact remains, I could just go to the grocery store and, like, it would be okay. Like, if I don't have the money, then any number of my partners and people I know would be like, here is 20 bucks. Go get yourself a fucking pizza. What? You mean there isn't a padlock on the pantry? Right. There isn't, apparently. Wow. Yeah. So... Yeah, how <laughs> how does thriving work? I don't like I'm still trying to get to this point. I, I'm still trying to like get out well, okay. of a lot of the I mean, everyone is though. Yeah. Everyone it's, is there's not just us. Everyone everyone is still you get to you get to I think I hope everyone gets to this point where they realize that everyone else was just faking it too. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the best. And it's it's fine. Pot helps. Yes, <laughs> yes. agree. <laughs> I think there's this element of like you get to the point where you realize like all of the adults in the world have always been faking it, and nobody knows what the fuck they're doing at any age. And that's like the first watershed moment. And then yes. for me, I've had a second one where it's like, hang on, I have achieved like. 10 times more than I ever thought like I was ever going to get to. Cause like I was supposed to just like get married and like have 10 kids and homeschool them all. And I have a master's degree and uh, I'm teaching at a college. And like, I have a, like, I live alone. Like what the fuck? I have privacy. Yes. All of these things where I'm like, all right, I'm good. And I have no capacity to imagine anything more than what I've got because I just like, this is as good as like we could think. We can't think yes. any better than this. Yes. This is this is what I'm realizing as I like move into a new apartment that one has temperature control in every room and both the bathrooms have a heat lamp and like what? it's insulated. Wow. I know. I uh, I have just been beside myself for Karen 3 and weeks I because like both live in like 100 plus year old buildings without heat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my, the apartment that I'm currently in, which is probably really echoey, was built in, like, 1910. And it acts like it was built in 1910 because it hasn't been updated since then. So it's it's drafty and cold and, like, the heat works when it's on, but as soon as the heat's off, it, like, plummets to being freezing. And I have too many uh, chronic health conditions due to growing up in an abusive family and childhood and you'll have that with CPTSD. So I'm, I'm moving into a place that has like even more things that will help 
me like live in my body than I thought were possible. And so I keep being beside myself because like I literally couldn't imagine living somewhere that like had one, two bedrooms with doors and four walls and also like temperature control, but also temperature control in every room. And like, I just, my mind has been blown by like (laughs) the normal bullshit that comes with literally anything that's built in this century. And I've, I've just been beside myself because I literally couldn't imagine it. I literally like, I mean, now that like all my stuff (laughs) is about to be over there, I'm starting to, it's starting to sink in, but it still feels like it can't be possible because I have just been like where I'm at is like more than I expected to be ever. Like, I'm I'm doing work that I like doing. I have like a amazing like social network full of people who like care about me and want me to thrive and be healthy. And now I'm moving somewhere that isn't going to actively damage my health and it's just sort of overwhelming because I didn't even think I'd make it to 30. Like, I thought I would be raptured by now. And so just, like, <laughs> the fact that I'm existing and making a podcast and, like, will maybe be able to write this year and, like, get, like, actually be able to find jobs or, like, get more clients, really, because I'll be able to function more because I won't be fucking cold all the time. Like, I, it's shocking to me. And it's all just, like, normal stuff. But it's just because, like, my imagination has been so limited mm-hmm. because I didn't I didn't know that it was possible to live without constantly suffering. And I thought that I just deserved to live, like, in suffering of some kind because that's all I'd ever known. And now I'm, like, maybe not. And I don't know what to do with that information. And that was a long sidebar. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's good though. This is this has been what's been like on my mind while I'm <laughs> frantically packing my apartment. I'm glad we could be here for that. <laughs> so, but Lauren, what, like imagination wise, what is what does thriving look like for you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Let's do the easy questions first. Easy questions first, yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's just figuring out who I am as a whole person. Um, And, yeah, just accepting those those parts of myself. Um, I mean, that's huge. Your whole personhood in so many situations that you've lived in was, like, a threat to your safety. Yeah. 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 We've been there a little bit. <laughs> Very relatable. Extremely <laughs> relatable. <laughs> I think that's sort of been like the thing that I'm most proud of after leaving is just taking the time and having like, I guess, the privilege to be able to take the time to figure out like, who I am and accept that and then just move forward. No big deal. Like, yeah, this is me. 
if you don't mm. like it, then like whatever. You, you don't have to be friends with me. I don't have to talk to you. Okay, well, let, like, let's just like put a pin in that real fast, though, because we have an advantage on everybody else because like we figured out who we were after we lost everything. True. So now that we're like figuring out who we are, we know what it costs <laughs> to be like, "Fuck you, I like me," and not a lot of people get that like a lot of people are very afraid to have that moment of like fuck you I like me because they haven't lost anything yet and it feels really scary but like once you know the stakes and you know you can survive anything it's a lot easier to do that (laughs) I don't know that that's true um okay tell me (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I I don't I don't see many people having a that hard a time with fuck you. I like me, and it seems to be kind of the default state of humanity. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess in situations where like there is something to be lost, maybe I I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, I part of what I part of what I thought about a lot when I was writing the book is and when I talk about it to other people is it it wasn't what I experienced wasn't all that much different than any textbook abusive relationship I, I, I don't know many kids who didn't have an asshole stepdad I don't know I, I don't know many kids who had life that easy that whole, you know, a bike under the tree for Christmas childhood that I imagine that everyone else had. I don't, I don't know anyone who had it. Yeah, that is um, true. I, I, I don't think we're. I think the 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 shame that was installed in us about um, the childhood and the keeping us separate and continues to work in that manner because you don't you don't think anyone else can possibly understand and. It turns out most people can. Mm. So it's more the like the power of the mythology that keeps yeah us separate than any actual reality. Yeah, I, was for me. Like I turned it into monsters hiding in my closet, and they're just fucking hippies who thought heaven was in the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had I had a kind of a similar realization with my MFA workshop for like the finishing up my thesis. And one of my classmates, um, this wonderful wonderful poet, Susanna Bird, she would say, I would kind of put something out and be like, I don't know, like, does this make sense? Basically, being afraid that like people wouldn't get it. And she'd be like, I mean, the like the topography of it wouldn't make sense to her, but like the emotional stakes always did. And she would always get a little offended at me, assuming that she wouldn't get it. And and that was always such a revelation, just like having that moment of like, okay, this person had like a relatively like normal, quote unquote normal childhood, like still understands like, what it means to be triangulated between your parents and like trying to bridge a communication gap and like, you know, 
being fucking terrified of like the first time you're having sex. Like these are like relatable things, like no matter how they're happening. And that was really nice to hear because I needed to like hear her getting like offended at the assumption that she wouldn't get it. Yeah. Allowed me to be a lot more like open about what I was saying. Yeah. It's almost like everyone has like the ability to relate to the overall grander themes of like struggling to figure out who you are and whether or not people will accept you regardless of like if it involved a cult or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing is people look to you, I think to know how to react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept it this big secret and it was this thing I like secretively told someone and you can't tell anyone by the way, I was telling them how to treat it when it's, yeah, you grew up in a cult. Let's move on. Like, I don't, you give you you tell them what to do with what you're giving them. People don't know what the fuck to do with that. They don't know if they're supposed to hug you. They don't know if you're supposed to ask a bunch of questions. They don't know if they're not supposed to ask a bunch of questions. <laughs> and the the manner in which you present it matters a lot. I think yeah. that's why I really liked your your. I mean, going back to where I've been already, but like I, that's why I liked your craft approach of like you're telling us the backstory in asides from your current like adult been out for a while narrator's voice you're telling everybody how to treat it and i really loved that well thank you i mean kind of open to because yeah i i don't know i think you have to you, you can tell people hey this is going to be a lord tell and tell all and these are all the stories you wanted to hear or you can tell people how it relates to them and how it made you who you are. And then you only have to say what you want about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we have, there's a societal pressure. There's, we live in a very confessional society and we, you know, Oprah made a billion dollars off of it of getting people to confess on the couch. But we, we don't have to do that. Unless there's a reason. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. So, Lauren, for the cult babies listening to this, do you have anything in particular you'd like to say as someone who's a little ahead of them in leaving the, that world? <laughs> uh, the devil's music rocks. Listen to a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. <clears throat> Yeah, well, that's about it. Uh, Good. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Excellent advice. Those are my words of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the devil's music, kids. You heard it here. Read everything. <laughs> Listen to it all. It's some good shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I don't have words of wisdom. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's I mean, crazy. you like you wrote, you wrote a whole book about it, so yeah. People they can, can just get your book. book. I really yeah. don't Here's my words of wisdom. If you pre-order books from authors. <laughs> yeah, actually, let me, yes. let me just like say real fast here. Like, I don't know if listeners know this, but pre-ordering a book really makes a big impact in like how the book gets prioritized for promotion and marketing stuff. So go pre-order Lauren's book. It comes out mid-April. 
And uh, it's, again, it's called Leaving Isn't the Hardest Thing. It's a collection of essays. And you can find her on Twitter. Uh, is it Lauren the Huff? Uh, yeah, Lauren the Huff, uh, H-O-U-G-H. Uh, at, yeah, that's, that's me on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming and joining us. <laughs> it, was, it was so great to have you. Thank you. Uh, oh my god I I know like if you haven't run into Lauren before like the tone that she brought to this this conversation is a whole lot more serious than her usual like timbre on Twitter she's fucking hysterical go follow her yes don't make jokes about dogs she, her, hers just died uh, mm. but go follow her and be you know cheer her on as this book comes out it's a big deal. Yeah. And it's a great book. I haven't read it, but I saw the excerpts and like it was it was an immediate uh right to the feels moment. So <laughs> I didn't give you much time either. I was just like I know. If we have an hour, go get punched. I was I was like reading it while I was walking between apartments and I was just like, Yeah, damn, okay. <laughs> Because it was before I was walking between apartments, but what even is time? Whatever. We'll, we'll put still. some of them up for patrons in the Slack. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you uh, want to get in on the really cool Slack community that we have, uh, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. And you will be able to join from there and see all the fun excerpts and also all of my moving in progress photos. And just like everyone random yelling, randomly yelling about stuff. And you would get to meet Andrew the, the Welder. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Although I think I think the, Andrew, the official term you. for Andrew is blacksmith. See, okay, sorry, sorry. Andrew, my apologies. <laughs> he's got a fucking forge. Like, <laughs> he's a blacksmith. It's fine. I don't know. I, I think he's a wizard, but like... <laughs> You can be both. You can be a wizard blacksmith. That's fine. Andrew, you did not expect us to talk about you so much, but like, you're you're great. You're like the second character of this. Like, you're supporting. Oh my God. I have another podcast trivia thing that's like really funny this week. Yeah. This is going to like also cause like a weird like listener reaction. So I've been talking to this, this girl from Bumble, and mm-hmm. it turns out like her best friend listens to the podcast. Amazing! So, and also horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I was it's like, like I'm thank so you, sorry. and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Whenever people are like, "I know you from the podcast," I'm like, "I'm Ooh. sorry." <laughs> I hit my voice too. It's fine. <laughs> anyway we love y'all thank you for hanging out with us and listening to that go pre-order lauren's book and find her on twitter and give her some encouragement yeah and as always thank you for listening thank you dave for editing this so well always all the time (laughs) and uh to the band the heavens for letting us use their music which is lovely if you are new to us and you're trying to find anything, it's all on kitchentablecult.com. Yep, you can find us there. You can find the Patreon there. You can find some of the transcripts there. 
Uh, we're working through the backlog, so there's not all of the transcripts yet, but we'll get there eventually. Oh, and we do have one note. Um, just like on the last episode, we wanted to follow up. Our guest made a comment about nonverbal autistics that uh, we do not co-sign or endorse the the idea of nonverbal autistics being trapped in their bodies is like unable to communicate is not something that we believe we are very much like against autism autism speaks and believe that they're abusive and bad and um you know people who are nonverbal autistics have many other methods of communicating and people should listen to them the end yes yeah Thank you to our listeners for for telling us about it. And so we could like all have that good conversation. That's been super helpful. It's been great to like have that. Yes. So thank you. Thank you for, for speaking up on things and uh, for having conversations with us because we're really all kind of learning at the same time. Yeah. So. All right. Take care of yourselves. Let me give you your astrology update real fast. Oh, yes. <laughs> Since people, what have is- as- people have been asking for it. Uh, let me give you the forecast. Thank you. Okay, so we're still in Mercury retrograde. Pretty late. I, know I don't know. Sucks. Another 10 days-ish. Uh, but. All my computers hate me. <clears throat> so on Wednesday, there's like going to be a, a little rough moment with communication. And you're going to hear what you don't want to hear, but it's going to be important. Mm. And then on Thursday, there's a, um, a new moon and that new moon energy is going to be in a real sweet little, uh, train with Venus and Jupiter. And so it's going to just be a really nice, like sweet, refreshing, like check the fuck out and do self-care and just like lay in bed and space out kind of energy. Newmans are really good for starting things, planting things, setting intentions. Full moons are like cleaning out and like getting rid of um, harvesting and bringing to fullness and like closing. So it's a good day to be moving. Yeah. So new moon is just like (laughs) start the good thing. It's beautiful. And then that kind of, that like sweet energy should be lasting all weekend. So anyway, just enjoy that. Happy Valentine's day slash whatever. We love you. Love you. Stay safe. Wash your hands, wear your mask. Drink fucking Uh, water and take your meds. Drink drink water, take meds. (laughs) Probably going to do something fun for my birthday. If you're a Patreon. So look for dicks. Yes, it will. It will involve, in fact, my collection of detachable dicks. So you'll definitely want to be here for that. It'll happen sometime you on the twenty eighth. Make your own store-bought is fine. Exactly, and store-bought is more fun because <laughs> who doesn't want to just like reach into their pants and plop like a packer on the table? I don't know. It's I real mean, fun. Seems <laughs> legit. Right. I feel like that's how I'm pretty sure that's how men get all the jobs is they just like take out their detachable dick and they slam it on the desk and they're like, look at this. Obviously, I'm qualified. I mean, I hire you. Right? (laughs) All right. On that note, take care, y'all. Bye. Bye.